Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with marketing visionary Jeff Brown. With 17 years of experience in marketing, he saw the launch of Facebook to a global audience, the death of Facebook, and the new trends like YouTube Shorts, Google Performance Max, and how the highest attention channels can work for entrepreneurs and small businesses. The point isn't to be a social or SEO expert. It's about the ability to adapt to where the attention is at, even leverage it for maximum community growth and leverage. We cover quite a bit about his life and his mission from his current workplace in Berlin, Germany. Enjoy this interview. Nice to meet you, man. Thanks for taking a minute out for the show. I appreciate it. It is a pleasure. I'm, I'm glad to. I'm happy to. Right on. So before we get into it, where are you located? Uh, I actually originally live in Nashville, um, but I am currently in Berlin. Oh, um, doing some some migrating work time. Um, okay. I can I have a completely remote work, so I take it with me whenever I can, and I have an opportunity to come out to Germany for a month every year. Uh, so I'm currently watching the sunset, uh, and it's it's fantastic. I, I love this trip. This is one of my favorite parts of of the year, honestly. Yeah. It seems like it would be a good time of year to be in Europe. I remember the last time I backpacked, I did it in September, and I was actually stuck in the back of a water taxi on 9-11-2001. So wow. I had an old Italian man throwing his arms in the air, just saying, Nuevo York, and I had no idea. Like I cut, When I traveled, anytime I would travel, I would cut everything off. I didn't call home much. I didn't look at the news. I just, I was kind of in my own bubble. So of course, one of the biggest yeah. events of our collective lifetime goes on and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea. Jeez. So yeah, it was wild. That might've been the better way to do it. Honestly. I think so because I ended up after that, my flight that was supposed to be uh nonstop from Paris to Kansas city didn't exist anymore. So yeah. we had already had plans to go to a place called the poor man's Riviera called Cinque Terre in Italy. And it's all of these little towns and Vernazza was one of them. And I remember just floating in the Baltic thinking this might be the best place on the planet to be right now. You know? Oh, so sure. It yeah. Was, no kidding. Wow. That's was a cool, wild. that's a really cool story. Yeah. It was wild. It, it felt like a Hemingway novel <laughs> for sure. Yeah, And that's a really cool angle to be able to go through that story too. So that's even, yeah. even more interesting. I love the it. World's a fascinating place, man, for sure. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Well, before we get into your travels and your journeys and your motivations and what you do for a living, I want to know, how did you survive the last three years with COVID? How did you get through it? And how has it changed you now that we've kind of entered this post-pandemic era? I went, I went nose deep in work and kept myself occupied as much as I possibly could because uh, I do marketing work and I typically work with small businesses. So a lot of people were focused on the, uh, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to survive? And um, I am typically a, a servant natured person. And so I threw pretty much everything into how do we make sure that these guys get through the next week and then the next month, you know, because it was only supposed to last for five weeks, remember? Yeah. Uh, so the, all the conversations sitting down with clients are like, okay, so how much do you have in reserves? Like if we have to lock down entirely, how long have you got? And then do we need to figure out how to get another week? Or do we need to figure out how to set up longer term because this might last longer? Yeah. How do we need to position in order to start getting the revenue, the fan base, and still give everybody access to what it is that you have? Yeah. And we have to get very clever with how to do that since they can't come in and buy. Uh, so it was it was some very, <clears throat> very original, out-of-the-box thinking uh, and to get very creative in a lot of ways. But it was 
It was fun, but I did it by keeping myself busy because I'm an extrovert. I, I needed to be around people and I couldn't be around people. So I had to figure out some way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let me ask you this. Let's get to the essence of exactly what you do for a living. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day. One of the kids looks up. <laughs> yeah. One of the kids says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you explain that? Do I like this third grader or is this one that I don't really? You could be on the fence. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, when, when people start a business, if they have a product, if they have something that they're really excited about, they want to share it with as many people as they possibly can. I come in and I help them tell that story. I help them reach more people. I help them tell them, you know, here's what I do. And here's why it's different from somebody else down the road that does it the same way. And I help them craft that message. And that's so essential. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because if it's, if it's bad, I mean, it, I get so sick of people expecting that, that a business is filled with dreams. That just because I do a podcast or just because I create a video or just because I create a social media channel or I make a burger, everybody's going to come in and buy it. Like everybody even knows or even cares. Right. You have to push that message out farther and in either treating people like vending machines and, you know, you're just a customer to me and, and the, you know, I don't know why people are showing, aren't showing up. Marketing is stupid. It doesn't work. Like there's so many misconceptions and really just being a person that can help them just navigate very, very difficult waters. You know, there's a business down the street from me that used to be a barbecue joint and COVID swallowed it up and they ended up saying we have to close up. So another place came in called the Iron Horse Cafe. That place is packed all the time. Really? Same place, same idea. But I just have this feeling that they went into it and said, okay, we're off a highway. We're in a town. I'm in I'm in a town called Lee Summit, the home of Pat Metheny. And Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the drum player, that's awesome. Yeah. So there's this whole potential to pull all these people in at a great location next to a really popular Mexican place. So it seems like what you have talked about here, people assume that it should happen, but other people go out and hire people and find the right way to present that product and story. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. And it's it's oftentimes just having somebody who's got the right mindset. Like if you're sitting behind the counter creating burgers all day, then you're not thinking about how do people see me? How do my customers see me? You're thinking about getting the burger. You're thinking about making sure that the shipment uh, arrives in time. You need somebody who's, who's constantly looking at it as, as how can I package this brand? How can I package this business? So that way other people see it and they connect with it. Yeah. I'm um, working with, with a, a Smoothie King franchise uh, down in Miami right now. And so our message to the customer base, because they're opening a brand new location. So our message to that neighborhood is much more focused on Miami. What do people care about in Miami? They're a lot more health conscious. They're a lot more active. Uh, so talking about being able to get a healthy choice on the go uh, really quickly that still packs in the nutrients is going to be very different from how we do it in Nashville, where I live, or in Kansas City, where you're at Barbecue Central of, of the world. Uh, I'm going to talk about yummy tasty uh, a lot more so. so. So crafting that to make it fit and then accessing tools that get the greatest amount of exposure and the greatest amount of reach, i.e. getting in front of the eyeballs and attracting their attention, are it's a fun challenge. I enjoy it. Other people hate it. And I totally understand why they hate it. Right. It, it really is having somebody who knows what they're doing and bringing them in the way, bringing them in so that way they can comment on here's what's going on. Here are the new technologies. I mean, just in the last couple of months, we've had AI and threads both show uh, up. Yeah. Just having somebody to help answer those questions and navigate and say, do I need to do this? What's what's the point? 
How do I leverage this? Do I even need to spend the energy on it right now? Or do I still need to do billboards and radio ads? Do I need to yeah. do a mailer? Or do I need to do a TikTok campaign? And and I think that's the interesting thing about right now. Podcasting is becoming that new marketing tool. And what a cool way to do it. You're getting to know people. You get a personalized notion of what's going on. You get to mm -hmm. explain what you're doing. And it, and it gets to go out to these audiences because that's the idea of advertising. But if you can get that personal touch, plus I think there's a level of podcasting that can be therapeutic. I think we all realize we're a little bit more alike that we all actually are more united than divided, yeah. you know, when you, when you get rid of the smoke. Right. Right. So. And I, I think it's, it's a, I think uh, podcasting was one of those things that wasn't supposed to be all that huge. <clears throat> Email is supposed to be dead by now. Same thing, uh -huh. but you get this, this vessel, this tool that is uh, unlimited. You know, TikTok is a fantastic platform to be able to reach 200,000 people with an account that is a week old. It's crazy, yeah. but you only get 60 seconds to do it. And podcasting, you if you have only five minutes to say something that needs to be said, then you can do that. And you only need five minutes. Or if you want to take an hour to do it, you have that freedom of choice. And I I, I love how open-ended it is. I really, really do. And it's yeah. it's got a lot of great things. I've I've thought about doing it on, on myself uh right now. Um and it's 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 a project I've got on the shelf. And I and, and I know I can make my own excuses that I've heard all day. Uh, but I do. I think that podcasting is an absolutely incredible tool uh, to really get highly, highly loyal followers. What did you want to be in the third grade? What was your dream when you were a kid to grow up and become? <laughs> it bounced around uh, to a couple of different things for a, for a, a slight minute. I was going to be a journalist, and I still can't. And I still can't to this day say why. Uh, then I was going to be a baseball player. I was going to be a paleontologist for a long time. I think, I think I took Jurassic park a little too seriously, uh, <laughs> and indicates the age as well. Um, and then all through middle and high school, I was going to be a trumpet player as a musician. Okay. And I was full on intent all the way through sophomore year in college. I actually started college as a music major, um, and then bounced around a little bit before finally realizing that when I had free time, I was playing with spreadsheets. Uh, because I thought Excel was fascinating. And no matter what I did, I couldn't get away from marketing. So business uh, was the obvious choice. It just took me a while to to, to get around to that. And I, I do have a, a stubborn streak of taking a lot longer than normal uh, to get to an obvious decision. Um, so yeah, as a kid, that was it. Paleontology and uh, baseball. So as a musician, what was one of the like best shows that you saw when you were a kid that really made an impact on you? It was a tiny little nothing show. That's the thing. Yeah. It was, uh, I did, I did a marching band for a long time. Uh, in fact, did it professionally for a little while. That's part of the reason why I'm, why I'm here is because I'm teaching a, a, um, marching band circuit, uh, in Europe. And, um, I saw a group, it was called McGavick high school. They're based out of Nashville. And I saw their performance at this nothing little farm town marching band show, but it was the first time I ever saw people playing musical instruments and moving and the forms on the field and, and the uniformity of it um, was unreal. It yeah. just hit me. And then after doing 20 years of this activity, uh, I actually found the show again on YouTube. Haven't seen it since I was in the fourth grade. Uh, that was weird. That is super, super weird. God bless <laughs> yeah. the information age. Um, and it was absolutely terrible. <laughs> it was so, it was such a bad performance in retrospect, but it planted the seeds of the inspiration. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of other things that I saw. I was raised by a music teacher. So a lot of the stuff really fell in line the way that it it you know naturally would. Um, but I'd say seeing Marching Man for the first time really got me electric on using musical instruments as a vessel to do something um, just really high level.
uh, that, that pushes the levels of creativity. For sure. So who's been kind of a hero for you in your life? The director of the drum corps that I marched with. So marching band has a professional caliber uh, and it's called drum corps. And uh, the director of that organization um, was really one of the first father figures that I had uh, in my life. Uh, I was raised by a single mom who who busted her ass to, to take care of two boys um, without a college degree because I showed up too early for her to finish school. And uh, so this guy was the first guy that I ever really got to see um, lead people. You have to see him lead a very large group, uh, 150 guys uh, and taking care of things and, and a million dollar operation that was on the road for three months out of the year. And he handled it. It looked like it was nothing. I got to see my first examples of leadership from him. Um, he was the first guy that was doing very high level, big picture things, getting on camera, talking to hundreds of thousands of people, and then would still also chat with me. Uh, at the same time. And then I was I was a 16-year-old kid. I'd finished two years of high school at that point, and I'm competing in this, this very, very high-level thing. Um, and I could talk to him about the performance level, but he always cut through the competitive side. I wasn't just an athlete. I wasn't just a musician. I was a person. Um, and so I got to see that that real father-like element um, coming through him. If I was having a bad day or if I was having a hard time, it was a particularly difficult part of a season. You know, you're on the road for four months at 16 years old. It, you get homesick. And he would recognize those things. And I got to see a really great example of just good human from this guy and looked up to him. And it's it's been, geez, it's been 21 years since that first year. And I still look up to him. I still, you know, occasionally I'll still get to talk to him because he influenced a whole lot of people. Occasionally I still get to talk to him. I still very much look forward to it. And I still look at the example of it. Um, my grandfather is somebody else that, that you know, it's been... Um, 17 years since he passed away. And I still ask, like, what would he do in this situation? Yeah. So, so if you can meet, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. So if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend some time with them, who would it be? It's hard to pick one. Can I have a dinner and invite two? Absolutely. <laughs> you can pick multiples. You can have the whole table. Um, for two very different reasons, but for two very similar reasons at the same time, I'd want Elon because I've had an interest in in commercial space since 2003. Uh, whenever I switched to business, I, I in instantly had an interest in commercial space travel, and I, and I still very much do. And he's he's really grabbed that by the horns, and he's really been driving this industry into reality. Uh, and the way he does business is absolutely out of the box. He abides by no rules, and he gets in trouble a lot, but he still does it his way, and he still does absolutely incredible things. And I would just want to listen to him talk for a little while. He can read out of his journal for all I care. I just want to hear. I want to pick up some of the table scraps. And then the other guy is Richard Branson. Yeah. Uh, I think the way he has gone slow and steady, uh, always prioritizing the people and the profits at the same time, uh, willing to give up the profits at the end of the day in order to take care of the people. Some of the stories through his... <laughs> By the way, I'd love to live a life where I have to have two autobiographies because I'm not done yet. Yeah. Uh, some of the situations that he has been confronted with and then chose the people and how it has created, what's he at, 268 profitable multi-million dollar com companies right now. Um, I'd really like to pick up on his wisdom at this age. I'd like to say, hey, can I talk about what I'm doing and just get your responses. Because right now, it's my entire world. The struggles are world-ending. And for you, they're nothing. You have hundreds of thousands of employees. They're nothing for you. I'd love to just chat with you and, and really have that, that human element 
uh, tied into what I'm doing and just pick up whatever you've picked up over the last 60, 60 something years that you've been doing business. Yeah. So yeah, those two hands down. I think that'd be a great lunch. So those two are highly driven people. You obviously are. What is your motivation? What gets you up every day? What gets you to accomplish what you want to get done? At first, it was survival. I bootstrapped um, with practically nothing uh, whenever I started this company. And it was all based on work. If somebody asked for anything, I said, yeah, I'll figure out how to do it. If I need to hire somebody to do it, I would say yes. If I needed to do it myself, if I needed to get up at four, if I needed to stay up until midnight in the same day, doing whatever was needed. Um, and at first it was survival. And that really drug me for a long time because that was how I ate. Uh, because I, I needed it to make this client happy in order to have food, in order to pay rent, in order to you know, whatever. And then it got to a certain point where I was able to grow. I was able to look more, more than a couple of weeks ahead uh, on the upcoming bills and I was fine. Um, and that kind of grit will drive a lot of people to do things that they never thought they were capable of doing. And at that point, I started expanding. I started hiring other team members. And then I started setting bigger goals. I started looking at, at my own life, a uh, much larger picture and saying, okay, what do I want to do? What kind of impact do I want to leave on the world? Uh, what kind of influence do I want to have? Um, a hundred years after I'm dead, if somebody does still remember who I am, what's the impact that I want it to be? Uh, and then additionally, a super, super strong motivator is I, I take my time hiring people. And when somebody joins this team, it's it's a very, it's a very fraternal type environment. Uh, and so my motivation is is their security as well. They're putting their faith in me that they're going to be able to eat. They're going to be able to build a future. Their level of comfort in their life really has a lot to do with what I'm able to do on a daily basis. Yeah. My success is now their success. Uh, and that weighs on me very heavily when things are tough, uh, very happily when things are going great. Yeah. Uh, I'd say those are my two strongest elements right now is, is that security blanket. Uh, it's feeling that sense that these people are trusting me and they're good for doing that. Like their life is better for doing that. Those are incredibly strong motivators. I can shoot for the moon. I can try to build spaceships and maybe one day I'll get to that point. Uh, but right now, making sure that everybody's happy in the work that they do is extremely important to me. Absolutely. So what is your best client success story up to this point? Mm. It's one of my first ones and it goes back to COVID. <clears throat> had a client who was uh, 73 years old, had been owning the same business, doing the same job daily for, for about 40 years. He'd purchased a, a music venue in 1983 and um, was loved and had a small little operation. And I'd been working with him a little bit, fixing his emails, cleaning this up on the website. And we had gone into a much, much deeper uh, professional relationship of handling all of the marketing. And it was about a year, year and a half, after I started working with him, I said, you know, what are your life goals? What do you want to do with this place? You know, what, what do you want it to be 40 years after you're gone? And I'd started to create a new streaming product. So music stage, 150 seats, but they were turning people away all the time. I said, well, let's set up cameras. Let's create a streaming system. This is in 2018. This is before really anybody else was doing it. it a couple of people were experimenting with it. Yeah. And, um, we launched this product in April of 2019. So by the beginning of the pandemic, 
we had done about 160 shows. And when the world shut down, our conversation was not, how are we going to get through this? Our conversation is, what are we going to do with this? Because live music ended, you know, scenes from stages stopped. And so we got out and we also did have to think about the future of the business. We had to think about how to keep it alive. And um, so me and there were a couple other people on the team that were interested in doing this. We started putting out two shows a day, pulling them out of the archives if we had to, if we had the ability to get people down uh, with a one-man operation. So sound person, video operator, and then band on the stage. So uh, separation and safety. As far as I know, we were the only people on the planet putting out live music uh, in April and May. Um and it gave us some really great opportunities. It allowed us to give people some hope when they needed it because we were, it was a hard time. Yeah. And we were able to give people that love this kind of music more live music. Uh, they were able to circle around, circle around a cause. They really supported this venue. And they, they, anytime we had a t shirt that was available, we, you know, we, we put out all these things as much as we could. So I'm just throwing out ideas like crazy. Let's do a Kickstarter. Let's do a closed concert series. Let's put out a special edition T-shirt. COVID can't keep us down, kind of thing, and they they supported it like crazy, and um, ended up putting us into <clears throat> much much higher situations like Jimmy Kimmel and Stephen Colbert uh, and Fallon and the Grammys because we were the only people in the game. It's like that scene from Forrest Gump when like they went out on the storm and everybody else's ship was destroyed. And so they're just sitting out there pouring in shrimp like crazy. Yeah. We did the same thing. We were, we were shooting content for Jimmy Kimmel and, and at 12 o'clock we would record a single artist and then we'd upload the files and it would be on the show that night because Kimmel's stage had to be closed as well. Yeah. Created some really incredible opportunities Had a very great relationship with this owner. And I, I felt very in tune with, with what he wanted to do because this was his legacy no children, wanted to take care of his family. And uh, we carried a business that had five weeks in the bank through two years Wow! Uh, by doing something like this. Uh, that I got very emotional with that client. I got very emotionally close to that client. And um, I think no matter what happens in the future, larger scale with bigger clients, of course, I think that one will always hit the closest to home yeah. because my team went all in. And we know for certain that place with 50 years of history would no longer be around Yeah, if we hadn't done what we did. And a lot of luck. <laughs> we got a lot of luck during that time. But I'd say that's probably my most significant memory uh, in, in the years that we've been doing this. So everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I do not like this question. <laughs> I find that uh, it's, I find it variable in so many situations. I think that, I think I'm a helper a lot. I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm intelligent and, and I want to help people. And that, that comes out pretty, pretty obvious, um, pretty often. If, if somebody's trying to get a stroller down the stairs at a subway station or something, I'm, I'm going to be the one that grabs and helps. If somebody's on the side of the road with a flat tire, I'm going to be the one that pulls over and says, Hey, can I help you? Um, I try to pour that out uh, to a fault. Sometimes, you know, I help a client that that really needs to help themselves first and end up with some crash and burns. So there's, there's definitely some bridges that I've, that I've burned over the years. Um, think though. Yeah. I think I'm a helper. 
I, I have a very unique set of skills and I, and I don't sound near as cool as Liam Neeson when I say that, uh, but I have, a, I have a severe passion for business owners because we are a special breed of crazy who digs, di- di- dives deep into a project that nobody knows about and nobody believes in. And we'll sit in a room by ourselves talking to an empty stadium for as long as it takes. Yeah. And I love to come by those people and partner with them and offer my own unique set of perspectives to help them launch that into what it was. You know, Apple at one point was an idea in a garage. Yeah. Now it's the most profitable company on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love their journeys. Absolutely. So if anyone wants to hire you, learn more about you, anything about your journey, where can they go? Best thing is box six marketing. Number six, box6marketing.com. Uh, we've got a, a product that we've recently created that is basically pre-built uh, templates, prompts, captions for social media because it's a pain to publish content for social media. So we've designed a, a platform that you can create content in less than a minute. You can take all these templates and plug them up and, and customize them uh, and, and be posting content every single day in less than a minute. That's postbuilder.co. Uh, social media as well, email lists as well. Um, we're just constantly pouring out marketing advice, speaking specifically to owner operators, entrepreneurs, the hustle guys with grit. That's that's the best way to do it. We're giving out a, we're giving out a whole lot of content there um, completely for free. Uh, and would love to talk to anybody who wants to go a little bit further. But if somebody just doesn't have the budget, join up on socials, watch what we're doing, because we're giving so much of this stuff away. Right on. Hey, Jeff, travel well, man. Thank you for your story, sir. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. <laughs>